All right, I will say good morning to begin by thanking our sponsors and thank our Tomatora sponsors for the month of Teves, Dovi, and Nina Elman for dedicating all of the Shiurim and Jerashos this month in honor of, I'm sorry, in honor of their daughter Ayelet becoming a Bas Mitzvah. We hope that in the merit of our Tomatora, Ayelet will continue to be an incredible source of Nachos for her Mishpacha in the years to come. So we'll say today's daf is daf Lamid Zayin, 37, and we are picking up the Meretz Hashem on Lamid Vav Amid Beis. So we left off literally the last line on 36b. The Gemara says as follows, Tan pas You can't go ahead and bake thick bread on Pesach. Oh, I should say the Pesach. So the Gemara says, Divrei Beishamai, these are the words of Beishamai, top of Lamed Zayin, Ubeisilo Matir, and Beisilo says it is permitted, Bekama Pasava, how thick is thick bread? So I'll say, so Bepashtos, we're assuming now that the issue that the Gemara is discussing is one of if the dough itself is too thick, there could be a concern that there may be unbaked pockets, and unbaked pockets, of course, could potentially lead to an issue of chametz. That's what we're assuming for now. So Machok is Besham Beisila. Besham says you can't bake thick bread. Beisila says you can bake thick bread. Vekama Pasava, by the way, how thick is thick bread? Amravuna Tefach. Ravuna says a Tefach. Suppose I remember again, so we know that a tafach is about three inches. So that's not uh, that's not an insignificant that's not an insignificant loaf of bread, thickness of a loaf. So you go you can't can't bake a loaf. That's a tafach. Shekin matzinu belachem aponim tafach. And we'll say, so where do they grab the shear? Where does that come from, the shear of a tafach? Because we find by the lechem aponim, the bread of the base hamikdash, that the bread of the base hamikdash was a tafach thick. So the Gemara says, so therefore we'll say, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, so we'll say, so we'll say, so so we'll say, remember, so what Rashi's pointing out over here is the Lechem Aponim was not Chomets. Lechem Aponim was not Chomets. So Lechem was not Chomets, but Lechem Aponim was also one Tefach thick. Or at least really the size that the most member again we know the Lechem Aponim, remember from this art from our Minochos days, the Lechem Aponim was not just like a stam loaf. It had an interesting shape, almost like a, almost like a U. So the thick parts of it were a tafach. So from here you see Basil says that you can make a loaf of bread that is a tafach and thickness without it becoming chametz. But any more than a tefach, you run the risk of allowing it to become chametz. So I'm asking for Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says, come on, you can't go ahead and bring a raya from lechem aponim. I'll tell you why. Im omrubi's reason, your b'sheinu's reason. So first of all, lechem aponim is made by kohanim. And as we established in yesterday's daf, kohanim's reason, hein? there's a certain element of zrizos. And even if you want to say that it's not by Kohanim, but it's in the Beis HaMikdash, there's a makam of Zrizos. So first of all, number one is being, de- being dealt with by Zrizin in a place of Zrizin. But again, it happens to be over here that Halacha Lamaisa, the Lechem Apanim, is made by Kohanim. So you have an exceptionally alacritous group of individuals who are overseeing the production of this bread. So if you're going to say that you can make a loaf of a tefach by his reason, Yomru B'Sheino's reason, you're going to say with people who are just regular stand people who might not be as Zoris, 
Furthermore, if you're going to say that you can make a loaf up to a tefach without it becoming chametz, that's because Rabbi say the mechel aponim is pas amela. Now, pas amela means literally it's worked dough. Rosh means, again, Rashi points out over here that there was this incredible halacha ba'alechem upon him that you literally had to knead it and to beat it a series of times. Now, I both say, this happens to be one of the most important halachas in Hilchos Chometz that very often is forgotten. We often assume that adobe comes Chometz if you have flour and water and remains together for 18 minutes. So that's incorrect. Adobe only becomes Chometz if it remains together for 18 minutes and is unworked is unmanipulated, meaning dough only becomes chametz when no one is actively kneading the dough. Technically speaking, if you're kneading a dough for three hours, it does not become chametz. So therefore, the Gemara says over here, by lechem aponim, is what, what it was pas amila. Pas amila means the dough was constantly being kneaded. So because of that, that also prevented the chimots process. If you try to go ahead and make a dough, if you try to make a dough, that's ultimately, again, that is a tefach thick, but it's not amela, it's not constantly needed. Of course, it'll become chametz. Furthermore, in the base Hamikdash, they only used dried wood, which, which means firewood that was very well dried out. Rashi says, Below how you Carson eats in the Ma'aracha. Supposed to say this is very interesting. So in the Hamikdash, they would stop gathering firewood as of Tuba'av. Tuba'av. Because after Tuba'av, the the strength of the sun begins to weaken and the wood doesn't burn as well. So in the Beis Hamikdash, they only used dried out firewood, which produced again a greater intensity of flame. But outside of the day, people use moist wood. Moist wood, the fire doesn't burn as intensely. And therefore, you have a greater concern of chimots. Furthermore, in the base of the oven was already hot, was always hot. It was always hot. Outside of the base of it takes the oven a little bit more time to, well, as a general, Take, when a person's turning their oven on and off, it takes the oven time to heat up. So say, all the Gemara is pointing out over here is as follows. You're making it sound like, remember again, this is Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef is saying, you're making it sound like that it's no problem to create a loaf that is a tefach thick, but yet not chametz. All Rav Yosef is coming along to say is, it's not so poshet. The reason in the Beis HaMikdash they were able to do this was because they had all of these different ingredients, quote-unquote, in place. In place, that's what prevented a loaf that is a tefach thick from becoming chametz. But if you try this at home, if you try this at home, your loaf is going to become chametz. Ib Amru B'tanur Shamatachas, in the Beis HaMikdash, they had a steel oven. That a steel oven, again, metal conducts heat in a certain way. You can't necessarily reproduce those same results in a home earthenware oven. So the Gemara says, therefore, Rav Yosef, therefore, says to Basilo, don't take it as a Dabar Pashat that just because in the Beis Hamikdash they made a loaf that was a tefach thick and not chametz, 
that you too could produce those same results outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Gemara, Amr Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba, She'ilis is Rabbi B'yichot, Umani Rav. So Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba said, you know, one time I asked my Rabbi when the two of us were alone, who was his Rabbi? It was Rav. Ikedarmi, others say, Amr Rabbi Yirmiya Bar Abba, Amr Rav She'ilis es Rabbi B'yichot, Umani Rabbi Noakadosh. Others say that I asked my Rabbi in private, and who was it? It was Rabbi Noakadosh, Rabbi Yudar Nasi. My pas ava, what is this meaning of thick bread? Rabbi, remember again, this whole b'risa began, this whole b'risa began with a discussion of Machlokis Beisham Beisel about baking thick bread on Pesach. On Pesach. So he said, I asked my Rebbe one time, what's, what's thick bread? And my Rebbe answered, pas meruba. Thick bread actually doesn't mean thick bread. Rather, thick bread actually means a lot of bread. Pasmeruba, it means cooking a lot, bar baking a lot of bread in the oven at once. Rashi says over here, Pasmeruba, Harbe Chararin Biyachad, the Lav Mishum Chimot Nakitlei, Obi Chararin Dakin Kambar, Mishum de Katarach Tircha de Hulot Sarach. So we'll say, listen to this. What was the discussion of Ishamai Bissel? They will say they're not talking about chametz loaves. They're talking about very small loaves, which ultimately, again, could remain non-chametz. So what was the shayla? The shayla is, can you cook a lot of bread in an oven at once, even if you don't need all of that bread on yamtiv? So I will say, this is a Hilchos yamtiv question, not a Hilchos Pesach question. We know that on yamtiv, one is permitted to engage in ochal nefesh, food preparatory activities, Am I permitted to go ahead and bake more bread than I need for Yom Tif? That's the Shaila. So the Gemara says, So my pas, my karile pas ava. So ultimately, again, so why do they call pas maruba pas ava? If you really mean a lot of bread and you don't mean thick bread, why are you calling it thick bread? Mishum dinafisha belisha. Because I will say what they used to do is when you were making many loaves, you wouldn't necessarily create a different batter, you know, for each loaf, but rather, again, you'd make one huge batter, and you'd separate out pieces of that indiv- and, and make each individual piece into its own loaf. V'yibayis, you know, the other possibility is that first wide line, in that particular locale, for this time, they call pas maruba pas fine, my time, and so we'll say, so, What's the issue? What's the issue with making a lot of bread on Yom Tif? So we'll say, so it's very simple. The Allah of Ochel Nefesh says, you can go ahead and you can make what you need for Yom Tif. But we'll say, let's say again, I need uh, two loaves over Yom Tif. And now I want to fill up the oven with 10 loaves. That's what's called Tircha Yisera. That's called unnecessary exertion. And Halacha Lamai say again, that should be prohibited on Yom Tif itself. If that's the case, If that's the case, then why is this a shayla being asked by Pesach? In other words, it's a shayla by any yom In other words, we got thrown a little bit because the Bryce has said, "Ain't often pass ava Pesach. So I don't understand if this is a hilchos yom question. And I both say it's a good kasha. This is a kasha by the way, that comes up a lot of times on yom as we'll see in just a moment. <coughs> Namely, halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa. Can I bake more bread than I need on yomtiv? But if it's a yomtiv shaila, why are you framing it on Pesach? To which the Gemara says, 
the words the Gemara Enochinami Vaitana Biyom Tov Shal Pesach Koi. So I say, says the Gemara says, you're right, you're right. They didn't need to frame it by Pesach. They could have framed it by Yom Tov. But the Tana happened to be dealing with this question on Pesach. So when when the Brayse asks about can you do this on Pesach, you're right. It's not because it's a Hilchos Chametz question. It's a Hilchos Yom Tov question. But it was asked on the Yom Tov of Pesach. So the Gemara says, Hey, Tami on Rachel Brayse that supports us. Beishamay Omrim in Ofen Pas Ava Yom Tov. Beishamay says you can't go ahead and cook, or I should say bake thick bread, which we're defining as more bread than you need on Yom Tov. Basil says, you are permitted to do so. So I will say, this happens to be a very interesting discussion. Let's go with what everybody agrees. Everyone agrees that the license for Ochel Nefesh allows you to cook what you need on Yom Tiv and no more. If that's the case, then if I only need two loaves of bread, how does Basil allow me to cook an oven full of bread? Sirebo say there is a concept in halacha that there are certain items which, if they are cooked in greater quantity, go ahead and enhance the quality of everything being made. One of those examples is bread. It must have been with the way that they that they produced bread or they baked bread. But lamaisa, if I needed two loaves of bread, ain't a dome cooking or baking two loaves in an empty oven versus baking two loaves in a full oven. Because remember again, the way they used to bake their bread was they would take a dough, they would stick it against the side. So apparently, the less airspace there was in an oven, the better the quality of loaves. Basilo holds that halacha lemaisa, you are allowed to bake more loaves on Yom Tif, even though you don't need them. Why? Because the baking of the additional loaves will improve the quality of the loaves that you need. So we'll say in halacha, this is called ribui bashiurin, which is that once you're permitted to go ahead and cook something on Yom Tiv, you are permitted to go ahead and add on additional units, even though you don't need them, if those additional units will improve the quality of the food item you are going to use on Yom Tiv. So for example, we'll say, you know, a good example of this is like, is, I, I think it's a good example of it, is like chicken soup. So if you're making chicken soup, I, so it's just, uh, may, may, maybe it's just two people. It's just two people. So how much chicken do two people need in a chicken soup? Two pieces of chicken? But everyone knows that the more chicken you put in the chicken soup, the more flavorful the soup. So you want to put in 10 pieces of chicken into the chicken soup. I know no one's going to eat that. No, no one's going to eat it. It doesn't matter because since it's being placed in order to go ahead and enhance the taste quality of that which you are going to eat, even though it turns out that you're actually cooking much more chicken than you're going to consume, it becomes permitted. And that's how we pass in halacha lemaisa. So both say, interestingly enough, what began as a conversation, we thought about making a loaf that's a tefach thick for Pesach, in fact, has nothing to do with Hilchas Chametz and everything to do with Hilchos Yom Tiv. Good. Tan Rabbanon. So we'll say, back to Chametz. Tan Rabbanon. Yotzin bepas nekia ubehadra ubesrikin ha-metziyam bepesach. So we'll say, so now, interestingly enough, other, other types of items, of matzah items that could be made on Pesach. Yotzin. Now, Yotzin, we're generally assuming that the, the, the items mentioned here could be used for matzah. Pasnikia. So we'll say Pasnikia means literally matzah made out of fine flour. Hadra. 
Again, we'll discuss what hadra means. Srikin hamitsuyarin. So srikin hamitsuyarin, I'll say, means wafers with a design. Srikin is a wafer. Mitsuyarin means with some type of design on top of it. Even though ideally we don't like you making wafers with an image on it, right? We'll say we're going to see in general, which which makes sense. Why don't we? Why don't we want you making images with uh, wafers with an image on it? Like we'll say matzah with an image on it. Why not? Because we assume images take time, and in general, when it comes to the baking of matzah, we don't want you taking time, right? We want you to get the job done so as to avoid any potential chimots issues. Therefore, ideally, we don't like you using wafers with any type of images. I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Dover Shaal Baitos Benzonin Chachamim. Baitos Benzonin, his name is Baitos, he asked the Chachamim this question. Why can't we go ahead and we make wafers with a design? Well, see, how nice would it be right, to take out your matzah and to have a little design on each matzah, different design on each matzah? Why not? What's the problem with doing this? Amrulo, they said to Baitos, because what's going to happen? A woman's going to be designing her, uh, her designed wafer. She's going to end up taking too much time designing the design and it's going to become chametz. So Baito says, come on. Amr lahem, efshar yasana bidufus, vikva anakivan. So Baito says, now, you think that's how we make, that's how we make designs? He says, I have a press. I have a, press is the wrong word. I have a, what is it? Stamp. Stamp. Thank you. I have a stamp. I have a stamp. You don't think, you think we, you think we fashion this by hand? You take a stamp, you put it in the dough, and ultimately again, to, you know, ta-da, you have, you have your image. It takes, it takes three seconds. There's no additional time. So I was listening to this. Amru lo. So they said to Baitos, Yomru kala srikin asurin, usriki baitos mutarin. Do you think the halacha should say that all designs are asur, except for the designs of baitos, which are mutar? Then I was saying, this phrase, you've seen this phrase, you've seen this phrase many times. This becomes a popular refrain throughout Shas. Whenever the Gemara wants to say, the application of halacha has to be uniform. It's not just like I'm saying, any legal system, you know, any legal system always has exceptions to the rule, but the exceptions have to be few and far between. At the end of the day, the law has to apply uniformly in order for it to have any level of peace. And this is when, whenever the Gemara wants to suggest, oh, the halacha shouldn't apply over here, it should apply over here. And so the Gemara says, Yomru kala srikin asurin, srike baitos mutarin. So now when you see that phrase, this is where it comes from. So, so Baitos says, but my design should be okay, right? My, my designs are okay. My designs are just made with a stamp. It's 1.3 seconds. It doesn't add on anything to the chimot's process. So Chazas said, shkoya, shkoya on your stamp. Very nice. Should we say that all stamps are also your stamp is motor? Listen to this. Rabbi Lazar Batsadik says, One time I followed my father into the house of Rabbi Gamliel. And they brought in front of me, they brought in front of him. These wafers, which was a wafers, just a matzah, right? A wafer with a design on it. Amarti, Abba, Lokach, Amru, Chachamim. 
So I said to my father, so remember, we'll say, this is, uh, this is Rabbi Lazar, this is Rabbi Lazar saying, right, saying to, this is Rabbi Lazar Bachadik saying to his father, didn't, isn't the halacha that you don't make these wafers with designs on Pesach? Amrli bini lo shel kal adam amru. So this is very interesting. So Tzadik then told his son that when Chazal said you can't eat wafers with a design, that's only baker's designs. Baker's designs. Why? Because apparently, I will say, first of all, apparently most bakers did not have a stamp like Baitus. And most bakers, when they made their designs, were very meticulous with the designs. Which then there was the concern that what? That because they're pashking along with the designs, it's going to take time. It's going to become chametz. However, however, uh, however, uh, 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 I'm sorry. I just lost the place. So he said to me, my son, Chazal only answered the designs made by bakers. But here in Rabbi Gamliel's house, this wasn't designs made by bakers. It was just designs made by regular people. They're not so makbit, they don't spend so much time, and therefore there's no concern of chimus. Ikidam, a alternate version. Hachi kamar lo shel nachtumin amru eloshakal adam. But saying alternate version is just the reverse. That bakers' designs, you don't have to worry about why bakers are proficient. So because they're proficient, whether it's with a stamp or whether it's by hand, they get it done quickly. But regular people, regular people take a lot more time, ultimately, again, in making these designs, and therefore it's problematic. Am Rabiosi, Shabbos Rabiosi said, Osin Srikin Kimin Rikikin. You can go ahead and make Srikin like Rikikin, which means you could go ahead and make matzah that are like wafers. Ve'in Osin Srikin Kimin Gluskos. But you cannot go ahead and make Srikin make these wafers that are like Gluskos. Gluskos means like thicker cakes. Thicker cakes. So, first of all, the Shokhlarach Paskins, we don't make Srikin. We we don't we don't go ahead and make what the Gemara calls srikin and mitzuyarin. We do not make anything with the design on it for Pesach, right? Or as I should say, we don't make matzahs with the design on it for Pesach, out of concern that halacha lemaisa too much time spent on the design ultimately could lead one to go could lead the item to become chametz. I what if I have a stamp? Shabbos says, remember the famous line, Yomru kala srikin asurin, srike baitos mutarin. Even if you have a stamp, you can't do it. Now, Shabbos say, once you begin to see over here, this kemin glusko, Shabbos say, is also part of the bigger discussion regarding thicker matzahs. Thicker matzahs. So again, you begin to see that Chazal are saying, even if you have a way of somehow impeding the chimots process, we don't want you making anything thicker for matzah, because they both say the concern always is with anything thick, is having pockets of potentially unbaked dough. That's where there is a concern. Remember again, I both say even in thinner matzahs, there are those who have the custom, the minog of gibraks, of not eating gibraks, which again, the whole issue of gibraks is a concern of an unbaked pocket of matzah, an unbaked pocket of dough, that if it comes in contact with liquid, still has the ability ultimately to become chametz. If you see that that was a concern according to some, even with the thin matzahs we have, all the more so with thicker matzahs. We'll say some more examples. Hasuf ganin, shanin, iskaritin, So let's let's define our terms. We'll say, so suf ganin, interestingly enough, is like a sponge matzah. 
Actually, sounds pretty good, right? Right, a sponge matzah, right? Like more like a spongy, like a sponge, a sponge cake, sponge bread type of matzah. Dufshanin. Rashi points out over here is a type of matzah that is that is that is fried in honey. The iskaritin. Rashi says iskaritin is a wafer. Chalas hamasares. So we're going to see also chalas hamasares. Is, is also a type of fried bread. Vaha meduma and meduma. So we'll say meduma, Rashi says over here, it's a totally different example, is chulin shenaf la truma la sochan. Meduma is a mixture of chulin and truma. So we'll say we're transitioning over here for just a moment from the halachos of matzah, ultimately again to the halachos of challah. Or as we'll say, we're asking now what constitutes bread from which you have to go ahead and separate challah. Now, the truth is, they're very much sister concepts, because as we're going to see, in order for an item to be treated as matzah during the year, it would have to go ahead and satisfy the criteria of lechem. If it's not lechem, I know that sounds strange, which understand what I mean. Leaving aside the chimots piece, but ultimately, again, in order for something to go ahead and be usable for matzah, it would have to satisfy the halachic category of lechem as well. So that's why the Gemara is going, we're going to see kind of going back and forth between some of the halachos of taking challah. Remember again, both said halach of taking challah, you're making a dough, you have to go ahead and remove a portion of it and give it to the Kohen. That halacha only applies when you're making bread. It does not apply if you're making cake. Well, sometimes the line between bread and cake is not always easily discernible. So the Gemara is going to go through a little bit of a sugi now, which is really very interesting, about what's bread, what's lechem, what's not lechem. So you have a bunch of examples of this. And all of these examples that the Gemara just brought, the sufkan and the dufshan and the skarit and the chalas hamasaras and the meduma, chala. All these cases, these items are putter from chala. Ma, so the Gemara says, by the way, my chalas hamasaras, what's chalas hamasaras, what is that? This is what the, what's what the Balabatim call scalded bread. Scalded bread. So we'll say we'll see we'll see in a little bit a little bit greater depth exactly what it is. Amr Shlakish, Halalu my seil fasein. Shlakish says, you know, all of these items mentioned, these are myself as well say ilfas is a frying pan. So Shlakish indicates to us that the reason these breads are going to be potter from challah is because at the end of the day, the only type of bread that is chayiv in challah is one that is baked in an oven. Any bread that is made in a pan, that is made in a frying pan, halacha is not subject to halachas of challah. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, maise ilfas chayiv. And Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. He says, no, a bread that is made in a frying pan could still ultimately again be chayiv in challah. I so why were the aforementioned items potter from challah? Sha'asan b'chama. Interestingly enough, they're baked in the sun. They're baked in the sun. So because they're baked in the sun, therefore Allah Khalamaisa, they're not subject to challah. So it says the Gimara Meisve, Hasov Ganan Vahadov Shonan Vaskaritin, Asan Bi'ilfas, Chayovin. So both say we learned in Abrai. So all of the aforementioned items, the sponge, uh this the sponge bread, the bread the bread that is fried in honey, iskaritin, the wafers, asan bi'ilfas, if you made it in a frying pan, chayovin. Ultimately, it's chayvin chala. Bechama, peturin. But if you made it in the sun, ultimately it's pater. Tiyofta derib shem and lakish. Rabbi said it's refutative of rish lakish. 
What's the case? What's the case? The case is where you fired up the pan and then only afterwards attach the dough. But I will say, if you went ahead and you first attached the dough and then fired up the pan, what would be the halacha? Hachanami dipturin. Then abosid bipatis. Abosid shlokish is suggesting you're right. It depends how you utilize the frying pan. If you put the dough in and then fire it up, that's like frying. And halacha lemaisa, you're going to be pater from chala. But if you preheat the pan, that resembles more like baking in an oven. And halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, you be chayv in chala. If that's the case, adatani seifa asan becham abturin. If that's the case, then when the end of the brayse speaks about that, if you made it in the sun, you're pater. Forget about the sun. Why don't you make a natural distinction in pan frying? When do we say that ultimately if an item is prepared in a pan, in a frying pan, it can still be that's when you preheated the pan and then stuck the dough in it because that more resembles baking in an oven. But if you went ahead and you stuck the, the dough in there, and then only afterwards you heated up the pan, ultimately, again, it should be potter from chalo, to which the Gemara says, you're right. In reality, the Bryce says, is missing a piece, and here is how it should be read. When is this so? When is what so? When is it so that even if you prepare a bread in a frying pan, that it's going to be chayiv, ultimately in chalo, that's if halachal I said the pan was preheated and then the dough was stuck on. But if the dough was first applied there and then only afterwards was the pan heated up. It's as if the dough was made in the sun and ultimately again you will be putter from chala. So we'll say we're going to see these halachas. This is a simon in Yardea, simon in Yardea that goes through again which types of arrows. I'll just point out, there's interestingly enough, there's one, one interesting determinant. Well, let's see first. Tashma. We're not finished. Tashma. Yotzin b'matzahina. So we'll say, this is what I mentioned to you before, where it's gonna, the Gemara is gonna fluidly transition back and forth between matzah and challah. Now, what I mean by that is between the halachas of matzah and pesach and the obligation to take challah Throughout the year, and again, remember, we can make that seamless transition back and forth because the halachos are very much connected. You only take challah from what? From what? From pas, from bread, from bread, from something that halachically is defined as bread. And you can only use matzah from something that is what? Pas, that is halachically defined, quote-unquote, as bread. You understand that? Not literal bread. In other words, minus the chimots. So the Gemara says, Tashma, Yotzin b'matzahina or b'matzah asuya be'ofas. You can fulfill your obligation on Pesach with matzah hina and matzah that was made in a frying pan. I will say, what's 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 hina? Look at Rashi. Eina afuya kol tzarcha. So I will say, interestingly enough, it means a non-fully cooked matzah, a non-fully baked matzah. So I will say, if you have a non-fully baked matzah. You could still go ahead and use that for Pesach. So we'll say, remember, how, how could that happen? You see, 
it doesn't happen by us anymore. The reason it doesn't happen by us anymore is because we eat very thin matzahs. At least Ashkenazim today still eat very thin matzahs. So we'll say, if you ever look how matzahs work, they preheat the oven to an incredible to an incredible heat. So pretty much those matzahs go in, and a few seconds later, it's done. But if you could imagine, either if, either if you didn't have an oven as hot, or if you had a thicker matzah, you could put the matzah in there. The outside could get burnt, but the inside could still be a little bit, uh, what's the word? Um, chewy or moist, right? So the, the idea of the Gemara says over here, you're still Yotze with Matzahino. With Matzahino or Matzah made in a frying pan. Rashi says, So we'll say, okay, we'll come back to the frying pan. So Gemara says, listen to this. So the Gemara says, Bilfis, so we'll say, so you see, before you get to the Matzahino, what do you see? You see from here that you can make Matzah in a frying pan. And it works. So we'll say, now what I want to point out, by the way, is how are you making money? You see, when I say frying pan, you automatically think of, okay, or not, oil, right? Right? We'll say, so I just want to point out, we're actually not using oil over here. I want to just point this out for just a moment, right? Because I will say, when you're talking about oil, cooking with a liquid medium is automatically called bishel. Right? And once we're talking about bishel, so bishel already is a different kind of thing. So when they say using a frying pan, what they're really just talking about is using heated up metal. Heated up metal, as opposed to placing something to bake in an oven. So they both say the point the Gemara is making over here is you see that you could use a matzah made in a frying pan. So what's going on over here? So we'll say we begin to see this over and over. Yeah, you could use a frying pan. How can you use a frying pan? If you preheat it, if you preheat it, if you preheat it, and then you stick on the dough, then essentially your frying pan is kind of functioning as an oven. Under those circumstances, it's usable for the production of matzah. Fine. My matzina. By the way, what's matzahina? Amrav Yehuda, Amr Shmuel, kol sheparsa, vein chutin neshachin an interesting definition. What's the definition of matzahina? It's any matzah where if you break it apart, it breaks apart cleanly, there are no strands of dough. So it might be a little bit more chewy, or it might be a little bit more moist, but it makes a clean break when you break it. If you were to go ahead and break apart your matzah, it would be a good matzah commercial. Right? You break apart the matzah, right? And the, and the matzah comes apart, but the strands of dough are there. That would not be usable for matzah. So the Gemara says, V'chin lachmi toda. I'm Rava. Rava says, V'chin lachmi toda. Taloch is the same thing by lachmi toda, I will say. So the toda loaves, the toda loaves, halacha lamaisa, if you have loaves, which were really wafers, right? If you have loaves that ultimately, again, essentially are baked on the inside, but moisture on the inside, but still when you break the loaves apart, it's a clean break and there are no strands. There are no strands. Those are kosher for toda as well. So the Gemara says, pshita, that's obvious. Pshita, hacham, hacha lechem ksiv, v'hacha lechem, lechem ksiv. Both sides says lechem in both places. Says Bola, right? So therefore, again, just like lechem by matzah, it could be baked on the outside, even if it's a little bit more moist on the inside, as long as there are no strands when you break it apart. So too by, so too by, lachmei toda. To which the Gemara says, Mal temo, what would you have thought? Ho'eluksiv v'hikriv mimenu amadeis. Echad mikol karban. You might have thought. Echad shelo yital paros. 
So I will say, you might have thought that the echad means ultimately, again, that the loaves by the told after the miyuchad have to be totally complete. And ultimately, again, therefore, maybe by told the echad teaches me that the loaf must be fully baked. Fully baked. Therefore, again, the Gemara says, Kamash malon, that that's not the case. Kamash malon, that halacha lamaisa, even if the loaf is not fully baked, as long as the outside is baked, and when you break it, it's a clean break, halacha lamaisa, it's usable for tolda and for matzah. So, meisvei, we raise a kasha, hameisa, we'll say, what about hameisa? Beisham, we'll see what that means in just a moment. Hameisa, beishamai potrin, ubeisila mechaibin. So we'll say, so this Mi'isa, this Mi'isa, Be'i says, Yepater, Be'i says, Ischayla. We'll say, we're back now to Chala. Back to Chala. So Mi'isa, Be'i says, is Pater from Chala. Be'i says, Ischayla ben Chala. So the Gemara says, I, what about Tachlita? What about Tachlita? What's, what's, what, what about that? Be'i Shammai Mechayim and Be'i Silo Potrin. says, Ischayla ben Chala. Be'i says, it's Pater. So Ezehu, Hameisa ve'ezehu ha'chalita. So we'll say, what's meisa? What's chalita? So the Gemara says, meisa kemach she'al gabe mugloshin or mugloshin. So meisa, the Gemara says, is when you go ahead and you pour flour over boiling water. So so right. So meisa is flour over boiling water. So in the in the case of the meisa. Case of the Mi'isa, Beishamai says it's Pater from Chala, Beisal says it's Chayim in Chala. Hachlita, Mugloshin al Gabe Kemach. As opposed to Chalita, which is pouring the boiling water on top of, on top of the flour. So we'll say, see, interestingly enough, the product, it's the same thing. In other words, it's scalded flour. It's scalded flour, that's how you're making the bread. But the difference is in the process, right? The Mi'isa, Ultimately, again, I'm pouring the flour on top of the on top of the boiling water, and chalita is I'm pouring the boiling water on top of the flour. So this is the machlokis be shamai and be silal. So it says the gemara. Rabbi Shariosi Omer Shem Aviv Zevezeliftar. Rabbi Shariosi says in both cases, both meisa and chalita, and, and meisa and chalita are both pata from chala, they're not considered to be regular bread. So the Gemara says, Others say, no, both ultimately, again, will be chayiv in chala. So the chum say, it depends. Both of them, if you went ahead and you made it in a frying pan, it's going to be pata from chala. But if you made it in an oven, you're going to be chayiv v'tanakamo. Wherein lies the distinction between Me'isa and Chalita? I understand the actual distinction, right? That, that Me'isa ultimately, again, is pouring the, pouring the flour on top of the scalding water. And Le'isa, excuse me, and, and, and Chalita is vice versa, is the opposite. But, but what exactly is the halachic difference? In reality, there's a machlokis in both cases. And obviously, again, whoever taught the first price did not teach the second one. So we'll say, 
the Tanor Chayev. Rabbi say either way, can we come to the end of this discussion? The Chachamim say, whether Mi'isa or the Ita, at the end of the day, if you went and you made it in a frying pan, you're going to be Pater from Chalo. If you made it in a Tanor, it'll be Chayev in Chalo. Tiyufta de Rabbi Yochanan. This would seem to refute the position of Rabbi Yochanan. I, Rabbi Yochanan, will say, I'm the Rabbi Yochanan. Tanoihi. Rabbi Yochanan will say that in reality, it is a machlokes tanoim. The sanyo, yochol yehei mi'isa v'chaluta chayav in b'chalo. You might have thought that mi'isa and chaluta should be chayav in b'chalo. Tamad lomar, lechem. Therefore, Rabbi Yochanan, the Torah says, lechem. Rabbi Huda Omer, ein lechem ela afoy b'tanor. And the definition of lechem by definition, lechem by definition is something that is baked inside of an oven. I, Rabbi Huna, I, I do, I do Tanakamo, but Rabbi Huda saying the same thing as the Tanakamo. Elalav, my se'ilfas ika binayhu. Rather, Rabbi said the point of contention of the Nafkamina between their two opinions must be the use of a frying pan. Tanakamo, sovereign, my se'ilfas chayobin. Tanakamo holds that halochala, my again, the use of a frying pan. Ultimately, again, makes you chayv and chala. Rabbi Huda suffer my silfus p'turin, and Rabbi Huda holds that the use of a frying pan ultimately again exempts you from chala. To which the Gemara says, "Lo, to chuli ama my silfus p'turin." Everyone will agree that the use of a frying pan ultimately exempts one from chala. V'hacha kigon shechazer va'afa b'tanar. We'll say, what's the case over here? The case over here is where halacha l'maisa. You put, you made something in the frying pan, but then you subsequently baked it off. Also, this is actually an interesting shaila in halacha. You made it in a frying pan, and you went ahead and you baked it off. Kamiflagi, the Tanakama savar, kevan shechazer vafa, betano lechem karinabe. Tanakama holds that since you subsequently baked it off in an oven, therefore it's called lechem. And Rabbi Huda says, no, the definition of lechem is something which is baked in the oven from the beginning. As since you did not make this item in the oven from the beginning, therefore, it is not considered to be lechem. Very interesting. So we'll say, so first of all, you begin to see, you begin to see a number of different things here. So obviously the, the theme that keeps coming up over and over again is manner of cooking, right? Remember again, that seems to be the great point of contention over here. Halacha, the mice says something made in an oven versus something made, obviously everybody agrees if it's made in an oven, ultimately again, it's going to go ahead and have the status of lacham. The shayla is if something is made in a frying pan. So we'll say, so just in the world of frying pans, here's what we've seen so far. We've seen halacha lamaisa. We've seen halacha lamaisa that maybe there's a distinction between preheating the pan, right, and then putting the dough in versus heating up the pan once the dough is already inside of it. Now we've seen another distinction about an item that is initially prepared in the pan, but then subsequently baked off in an oven. Does that have an impact on anything or not? So we'll see still. So we'll say, what's Rabbi Huda's logic? The Rabbi Huda holds that halacha so the definition of lechem is that it's baked in an oven. If it's not baked in an oven, it doesn't matter. It might look like lechem, taste like lechem, feel like lechem. But if it's not baked in an oven, it's not lechem. So where does Rabbi Huda get this from? So we'll say, interestingly enough, 
betanur echad. So we'll say, interestingly enough, it's from the tochecha, right? Which is very interesting. What does the Pasuk say? Literally 10 women will break, will, will bake bread in one oven. One oven. So we'll say, leaving aside the actual content of the Pasuk, the point over here is that when the Torah tries to describe extreme poverty, right, as, as, as is expressed ultimately in the Torah, the Torah describes it as multiple women using the same oven. So you see from here that by definition, bread, bread, to be lechem, you must be baked in an oven. Ha'afoi betaner karoi lechem, v'she'in afoi betaner echad ein karoi lechem. Ultimately, again, that which is baked in an oven is called bread, but that which is not baked in an oven, ultimately, again, is not called bread. So we'll say, it's interesting, I just want to point out one thing that the Gemara here is not yet discussing, <coughs> which in Mirz Hashem will, will come up, although this is not really the primary sugi of Chala, is the interesting discussion regarding batter. Batter, what the Halacha calls Belila Ava versus Belila Raka. A thicker batter versus a more liquidy batter. That also has an impact. We'll see what we get, and hopefully we're going to get to some of that loch in your idea. But we'll see that that also has it potentially has an impact about whether or not something is called bread and therefore subject to challah. We'll discuss. Yosef Rabba Rav Yosef Achari Rabbi Zera. So we'll say Rabba and Rav Yosef sat behind Rabbi Zera. Yosef Rabbi Zera came to Ula, and Rabbi Zera was sitting in front of Ula. Amr luhu Rabba le Rabbi Zera. So Rabbi said to Rabbi Zera, "Boy, mineni Ula, can you ask Ula the following shaila? Hidbik mi bifnim vehersiach mi bachutz mahu." Supposed to listen to this interesting case. What happens? Hidbik mi bifnim. Supposed to we're back to our frying pan. What happens if you put a piece of dough inside of the frying pan? And you lit the fire outside of the frying pan. I was saying, now what's the image? What's the image here? It's just a regular use of a frying pan. I was saying, how do you, how do you normally use a frying pan? You put an item in the interior of the pan, and the fire is on the quote unquote exterior of the pan. So that's the case. I have a dough, I put a dough on the interior of the pan, I light a fire on the exterior of the pan. Mahu. What is the status of that dough that is made in the pan? Is that called bread or not? Amr lehu. Amr lehu. So I'll say, so ultimately again, so, so, so Rabbi Zera said back to, so, so I'm sorry, so Rabbi Zera said back to Rabbi Amr lehu, my Amalei, what, what do you want me to ask Ula? because if I ask Ula this, Amr hi nihu my se'ilfas. Ula's going to say to me, what kind of kasha is that? That's frying. That's use of a frying pan. In other words, how, how, how else do you use a frying pan? You put an item inside of the pan, you like to find it outside of the pan, and ultimately, again, that's how you cook. So if I ask Ula that, he's going to tell me, no, that's not lechem. That's called my silfos. That's called, the, that's called the product of a frying pan. Fine. But also this, if the image is very good. Rabbi Zera is the one who's sitting right in front of Ula. So either out of deference or out of fear, no one else wants to ask their shilas to Ula. So the same time, Rabbi Zera, ask this, ask this. So they tell him to ask the first shilas, Rabbi Zera, so not asking that. So fine, Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi Zera, Boy, me name Ula, hidbik me bifnim, va'avuka kinegdo mahu. Oh, ask him the following shayla. What happens if you put a dough inside of the frying pan, 
But instead of putting the fire underneath the pan, you put the fire over the pan. Over the pan. So we'll say, so what, does, what does that mean? You put the fire over the pan? So we'll say, if, if you can imagine, essentially, instead of using it as a, as a, as a um, frying pan, it essentially is what? You're converting it into what? Into like a broiler pan. Right? That's essentially what it is. The fire is on top. The pan is underneath. So what's the halacha if you go ahead and you make bread like that? Mahu. Amrle, so again, Rabbi Zera said, my Amrle, what, 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 um, what should I ask Ula? Di Aminale, if I ask him this, he's going to say, Amrle, Rov Aniyim Osinkein. This is how the majority of poor people, in fact, bake their bread. This is how the majority of poor people prepare. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Rov Aniyim Osin, Kol my Seilfas Kain, Shein Lahem Eitzim, Ubekachum Mar Lafo. So we'll say, interestingly enough, apparently broiling, in general, is considered to be the most expeditious form of cooking because what you could do is you could achieve at least external results. Even if the inside is not fully cooked, it allows you essentially to sear whatever it is that you are, that you are preparing. So that's a normal, that's a normal way of cooking. So therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, again, Rabbi Zira was reticent to go ahead and ask Ula about the status of these things because since this is the normal, so the first way he wasn't going to ask because that's just normal use of a frying pan. The second way he wasn't going to ask because halacha lamaisa, that's the rov aniyim prepare. And ultimately, again, that would be a normative form of afia, of baking as well. So we'll stop over here. Will Amir Hashem pick up with the sugya of challah and matzah Amir Hashem tomorrow.